Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to another episode of The Creative Exchange. Today I have my friend Dotan with me. Woo! So you are otherwise known as piano around the world, but it doesn't stop there. So tell people a little bit about yourself. Hey guys. Uh, So my name is Dotan and so for the last seven years, I've been traveling around the world playing piano in public spaces, uh, meeting people, going on adventures, and uh, I like to say uh, throwing myself into the wind and seeing where I land, because um, I, love, I love that idea of, of letting myself go and seeing what I can discover, who I, who I can meet, uh, what I can learn um, in the process. Piano around the world isn't just tiny piano or tiny electric piano, you actually bring your massive real piano. Like, what do you call a real piano? Like a big wooden piano. <laughs> how, how do I, some people don't understand how insane it is to bring a massive piano to countries around the world. I mean, like, where have you been? What are some of the craziest place, places that you've played your massive wooden piano? Well, so uh, this is an upright piano. It's like, there's different types of like uprights and there's the smaller upright, there's mediums, these large like thousand pound uprights. Um, but then they have like obviously a grand piano and all that in different sizes. So I bring a, it's a console upright piano and I've been anywhere from the jungles of Costa Rica to, where else did I go? California to- Swiss Alps. Swiss Alps. Wow. Well, that one I actually, so I flew to Paris. I bought a piano in Paris for like 300 euro. And then Mm. I did this whole trip through Europe. And then I sold it at the end and I gave like a piano to this guy. That is so insane. So you just get a big trailer and you put it back there. And how, like the logistics of it. So when you're in the US, do you do the same thing? Like you put it in a big trailer, you drive around. So it's basically like a massive road trip wherever you go with an upright piano. Yeah. For some reason, my yeah, mind exactly. is just blown with the logistics of this. Yeah, like- honestly, I mean, honestly, it's been a huge headache. It's been a huge, <laughs> like, actually, I should say backache is right. really what it's oh, totally. been. And then I, I just watched where you brought it in the New York subway. Oh yeah, I was how like, how long did that take? Like it, the video was so good. It was like so a two, silly. like a two and a half minute video. Just you bring your upright <laughs> piano to the subway, and it's like such a fun song, and people are smiling. But in the back of my head, I'm like, how long did it take him to bring a upright piano into the subway? I was of like New York City? super nervous about this. So I've always been. It's for me. This has been. Uh, it, in the end, I mean, I have to say, like, it's never really been about like, oh, I want to be the greatest piano player that ever lived. For me, it's like, oh. Let me do this thing that I enjoy, uh, see where it takes me, and like, how can I constantly raise the bar? How can I make this more interesting? Or, um, yeah, how can I make it more interesting? So I thought, oh, let's bring it. <laughs> let's bring a piano on the subway. No one's done this before. And honestly, I don't, don't think I would ever do it again because I was just like really nervous. And the piano is like this. It's a. What did you put it on? How did it like stay still? So that that was like part of the journey was me discovering how do I. Um, how do I move this thing? Right. So in the first year, I had these two four-wheel dollies, which was such a headache, such a headache um, moving it around. And then I eventually found this special dolly made by this guy in Georgia called the All Terrain Piano Dolly. And I called him up. I'm like, hey, can you can you sponsor me? Can you like hook me up with one? And I'll make some videos with it. I'll, I'll promote it. And it ended For up- For other people who want to bring their pianos exactly. on the subway. <laughs> Well, well, now apparently there's a couple other guys doing playing piano on the streets, and they're wow. they're using the same dolly. 
So I, I, I know that I sold a couple dollies. There you go. In the you, process. Yeah, he got the money back. Oh, that is so crazy. When did you start that? Like, how long have you been doing that? Do you still do it? I mean, occasionally I see you out and about in New York with yeah. your with your piano. Well, I started playing piano on the streets in 2010. Mm-hmm. So that's eight years ago now. Um, and then in 2011, I started traveling with the piano. But in between that, uh, me figuring out how to move this thing, a piano, f- uh, one of my pianos fell back when I was on the street and it landed on my hand. And I literally broke... Uh, these two fingers, like the tips of these two fingers, oh and you can kind of see. Yeah, it's a little crud. It kind of looks a wow ugly. That's <laughs> <laughs> me. Oh my gosh, that must have been so painful. It was the worst. Were thing you with in my anyone, life. or did you just have to leave your piano in the middle of the road and uh, go was, to the hospital? <laughs> I was literally in front of the Whole Foods, and they were like, oh. they took me in, they brought ice, and they called the ambulance. Ambulance didn't show up, so I ended up walking to the hospital. Like literally dropping a drop of blood every ten feet. The and ambulance just didn't show up. I guess, yeah. I mean, they just didn't show up, and <laughs> oh which is weird. <laughs> yeah, so I, I lost. Uh, I couldn't play for like three months, but I think it was that experience that really like told me. You know, I was twenty three at the time, and after that happened to me, I was like, oh wow, if I if I don't do this. If I don't do this thing that I really want to do, this extraordinary thing with my life, I might never do it. And I think that was the thing that kind of like, I was very emotional at that time. And I thought I wouldn't be able to play music anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted to do this thing because I was so miserable with my life, just working a crappy job for $12 an hour, working Mm -hmm. as a personal assistant. And I wanted to do something for me. I wanted to explore and you know, at 23, you're 23. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in an amazing place, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I had nothing, I had like no idea what I was, what I wanted to do. I had no foundation. Well, I had a little bit of foundation. Or Did I you go to passions. college? Did you, um, like, was music always a thing that you knew you wanted to do? Not, not at all, yeah. actually. It was more of like a hobby. Um, I went to college. I studied, so I studied theater. I was an actor for about 10 mm-hmm. years. I studied theater. And I came out of college and became the typical actor. And I didn't like that. I didn't like, um, I didn't like needing a director or a theater company to actually be creative. You have to go through so creative. many people. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, just, I wanted to be able to create without needing to have collaborators. And I wanted to, how can, you know, an artist can sit down and paint a painting by himself and not need other people. A musician can be by himself. But an actor, an actor has it hard because... All he has is his headshot and resume and he has to, you know, he needs a, another actor and a director and a theater to actually like create mm-hmm. something. So, Do you still do theater on the side? I, I, I don't really do. <laughs> Can you theater. do theater on the side? <laughs> I mean, I, I consider what I do is a blend of the theater because yeah. I, I play on the streets and it's not just music. I love to interact. So I love to like ask questions. I tell jokes and um, it's like really deep down inside of me. I really want to do stand up comedy oh. again. Oh, or do stand-up comedy, period. Oh, snap. So I'm like, I'm trying to bring I'm trying to bring the theater back now. And that I feel like is the most terrifying thing ever. Is stand-up. That's why I want to do like, it. Though. Yes, playing piano in front of strangers, that that requires a certain level of just cojones, but stand-up? 
Oh my goodness. All you have is this mic. Whenever <laughs> I've only gone to a stand-up show maybe twice in my life, but both times I was nervous for the people on the stage. I was yeah. like, oh, I hope they're funny because I'm gonna feel really uncomfortable if not. Because I'm right. the type of person that I I can be straight with people, but my my laugh is very how, how do I say it? I, it's not restrained. So even if someone, you know, tells a terrible joke, I'll <laughs> Oh my gosh, Doton, you're so funny. Yeah. You know, because I just hate that uncomfortable feeling. Right, that's really funny. But wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Okay, I'm ready to see Doton doing stand-up comedy. You should do that in your space. I know, right? I could do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We'll get back to that in a minute. But let's go back to the place of you being 23, injuring your hand, being in a place in your life that you were kind of miserable. I think people find themselves at like the whole quarter century crisis mm. or maybe they've gone to college, they don't know what they want to do. Maybe yeah. they spent four years of their life doing something they don't want to do and they're like, ah, life, I need to seize the day. So what was it, like Like how? That's number one question is, you know, you're working a $12 an hour job. Usually people's first reaction isn't, oh, let's go travel the world yeah. because you see it as an obstacle, like money as an obstacle, hmm. you know? So how did you just do it? Yeah, I mean, money was definitely an obstacle. I, I had to, you know, work at the job, save up some money. Um, but really, I, I, I was at a point, I was working for this other guy, this artist, this other guy. I was working for this artist and I was delivering paintings for him. So I, I drive down from New York to Miami um, wow. to deliver some That's paintings for Art Basel. And it was like a three-day drive and it was great. Like I was like, oh, I'm traveling and making money at the same time. So I'm like, oh, this is cool. I, I like this. But at the same time, I was working for this other guy, working towards his dreams. And I'm like, I'm 23. Like, how? why am I not working towards something that I want with my life? And it was part, that was actually the inspiration to it, mm. is this guy in his van, because he used to travel and live out of the van. And I had this, I came up with this, like, well, I asked myself the question, if I could do anything in the world, what would I do? Or what would my ideal life be? And I came up with the idea of, like, I'm going to live out of a van, I'm going to travel the world, and somehow I have to make money. Somehow I'm going to, you know, how am I going to fund this? And at the time, I loved music. I loved piano. Um, I was tinkering with the piano. I only had played piano for about four or five years. Really? And yeah, it really wasn't even that in, in good. In my brain, I'm like, oh, he's been playing piano since he was like two. <laughs> no, I, honestly, I was, this is what's funny about this. So in 2010 and 11, like I was playing like fur lease on the street, like really crap. I wasn't even that good. Oh my God. But I, I just loved, um, I, I started doing it here in City Hall Park. Like I would wheel the See, piano. That's and, motivation. Don't wait for perfect. If you're passionate about something, just go and do it. And it might lead right. you to a cool thing. Right, yeah. exactly. And, and I started doing it on the streets, but I just loved how I was meeting people. And I'm like, this is a great, incredible icebreaker, great way to meet people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kept doing it because I, I enjoyed the experience. And that's how I came up with the idea, by combine, combining this other job. And But at the same time, like I had to... It was a lot of struggle because I really wasn't that good at piano. And um, and then when I started doing the trip, I was like, oh, how cool would it be if I, um, you know, started a YouTube channel and mm. I knew, knew nothing about video. So not only was I learning piano, I had to learn like video and production. Like I would just set up a camera on the mm -hmm. street, like on a tripod. I'm like, oh, I'm going to make some videos out of this. And right. 
I really had no idea what I was doing. Wow. Have you always known Casey being around this area? Did, was he... No. No? So you didn't have like the hundred subscriber or hundred thousand subscriber Casey like telling you how to make videos or anything? Because I feel like, you know, 2012 is when I discovered him, hmm. uh, Casey Neistat. And he had oh, a little bit over a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube, wow. which is crazy to think about. Um because, I mean, you're friends with him, right? Yeah. Just because, I mean, you're in the area. I'm sure he's seen you I met him on the street. The I actually, 2014 was when I met him. Okay. And he was living, you know, right next door over there. Yeah. Um, on whatever, 395. Yeah. Broadway. And I ran into him on the street when he had braces. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, shit. Like, you live right here. That's crazy. And I kept running into him. I kept yeah. talking to him. Like, I would be, I was one of those, like, fanboys. Like, yeah. hey, man, here's, check out my, my YouTube channel. And, yeah. I had like 20,000 subscribers at the time, or like 10,000, some some crap like that. And I just kept running into him and we kept talking mm-hmm. and eventually he got, I guess he got used to seeing me and I was like, and then he, you know, he featured yeah. me in a couple of his videos and. Yeah. Cause the first time I ever met you, I didn't connect the, cause multiple times you've been in his videos mm-hmm. and I, you know, like, oh, cool. Like that dude who plays the piano on the streets. And so like that was one person in my brain. And then I met like Doton. I forgot where I met you. Do you remember when we met? I forget too. I I, I have no idea. But it took me a few times of hanging out with you to realize that you were the person in Casey's videos. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Like the dude playing piano on the streets, which is so crazy. Um, When you were in Europe, did you make money just off of tips? So yes. you had like savings from your job and then tips. Yeah, I had to save up for that uh, mainly because gas prices like just c- crushed me. Um, I didn't even think about gas prices. Yeah, and then I had to. So I bought the piano. Um, I had to like search around buy a piano. It's, three, it's about three hundred euro, and then I rented a van. I forget how much that was like less than the cost of rent in New York. So I was like, all right, this is cool. I could do this without you know mm-hmm. it to be the cost of living in New York. Mm-hmm. And then I started traveling and then it was like gas came. But I was I was still making money. I was doing gigs on the side. Yeah. Um, it ended up being a loss. But not a loss. A loss in terms of finances, but I gained in terms of like I, I made so many friends. And mm-hmm. actually I have a good story because uh, at that time, it was 2014, Facebook had this uh, tool called Graph Search. I don't okay. know if you remember this. And you were literally able to go onto Facebook and type in pianists that live in Amsterdam. And you get a list of like 50 piano players. And I would just message all of them like, hey, hey, I'm here. Let's jam, let's jam. And I ended up uh, meeting this one guy named Avishai, who's an incredible piano player. And he invited me over to his house for dinner, ended up becoming like really good friends with him, ended up staying at his house. And uh, yeah, became best friends. And um, yeah, just through this graph search thing that we don't even have anymore. So that's that's one of the cool stories. That's of- so cool. You that's almost like making Facebook more of a LinkedIn. I feel like because you could search yeah. people who do similar <clears throat> professions in your area. That's cool. Do you still use Facebook? Not really. Yeah, like I, do you use page, it personally, like f- to connect with friends, mm-hmm. or do you use it to spread piano stuff around? Or I don't use it. I don't have one. You don't have one. No I don't way. have one. I don't have a personal one. So oh, I, I have like a Saradici page where I'll post stuff occasionally. Yeah. Um, but it's like okay, so I have fourteen thousand likes, and it gets like thirty likes because Facebook doesn't show anything to anyone. Mm-hmm. It's a very discouraging platform, yeah. but people still use it personally for to connect with high school friends. I just don't care about 
high school friends. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> you know? funny. I, I <laughs> like, I'm <laughs> fine. I don't need to talk to any of you guys. <laughs> right. Moving forward in the future. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. It's funny that you're saying that because I, I ask that question to my to people also. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, I don't use Facebook as much as I... I feel like I feel there's so many tools and things and only so much time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 hard to manage all these things. Actually, it's actually one of my my questions to you. Oh, how is, the turntables <laughs> flip it back <laughs> on you? But the, the the question of like you know you have so many tools. How do you manage through all of them? How do you post and keep it keep it updated and keep your fans updated? That's why I have let go of certain things. I used to be really stressed out about, oh my gosh, this account is so good at Facebook. Okay, mm. I need to re-strategize about Facebook. And I would stress out about that. And then I would stress out about, oh, if I want to be seen as this professional entrepreneur or something, I, that word is said so loosely nowadays, it kind of irks me. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, LinkedIn. I need to have a presence on LinkedIn. <laughs> right. And you know, I saw these social medias because other people were doing good things with it. And I was like, I need to do it. Um, But the moment I said, okay, I'm not good at those. I don't like those. So I'm not going to do those is when I started succeeding more on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, like the platforms that I actually enjoy. uh, Because, you know, I don't have to hire someone to post on Instagram and Twitter for me because I love it. It's fun. And so, yeah, I I have I always say I have kind of a disadvantage, especially when it comes to videos. It's because I love editing videos, so it doesn't seem huh. like that much of a chore. Um, you know, people who maybe their passion is piano or quilting or something. You know, they have to <laughs> then go and learn how to edit videos, and there's that extra step. Um, but yeah, you just I, I feel like you just have to just roll with what you like. Start there. Mm. You know, and then if you have time or the resources to maybe pay someone to you know, expand, expand and do it. But you also have to realize, I think what you're trying to do. If I'm Mm. trying to sell an ebook, I should be on Facebook. Like I should understand Facebook marketing. I should understand how to put, you know, little tracking things on links that people click to Facebook for and things. And so I think it depends what your game is. My game is content. And usually my main stream of revenue is just brands and sponsorships and partnering with them. Um, So if I was more product centric, I would probably be more focused on Facebook. Interesting. That's good. That's actually really good advice Mm -hmm. for me as well. Yeah. Yeah, Because you you recently made an album, right? I did. I recently, (laughs) it's it's funny. So I did this whole thing for about seven years and Mm. played piano and I never released any music or... um, but um, I had one of these, one of these yes, awesome. I the love H6, this thing. The Zoom H6 recorder. Well, actually, I had the H4. It was like before okay. the H6 yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And I would just set it up everywhere. Mm. And I would, and I know this is probably kind of bad. I know this is kind of bad, but like, maybe not bad, but I would set it up and like people would come and I would have conversations, like really deep mm. conversations. So I have this, not only do I have like incredible stack of like 30 terabytes of video, I have so many audio recordings of of oh. conversations that I had with like heroin addicts and drug addicts and just random people. Dotan, why is that not a podcast? I, I know. Well, so that's what I did. The album yeah. is kind of like a, oh. it's a, 
it's a 25 track. It's kind of like a podcast. This is my first album. Yes. Don't really a, know what I'm doing. Podcast music album. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so there's um I picked out like the 10 best conversations that I had with people. Like one guy that I met in um, Salt Lake City, who I was playing piano in my in my truck, my van in the back. Um, which, by the way, I had a, uh, my first car that I ever bought. I bought it on eBay, and this is to travel around the world. Was a yellow Penske moving truck. Wow! And that's where I, I lived. I lived out of this yellow Penske moving truck, twelve um, foot box truck, and had my piano back there. And I had carpet. I set it up with carpeting. And, um, but anyway, going back to Salt Lake City, I met this guy who was raised Mormon, and he became a monk for about a year. And huh. spent a year living doing Kriya Yoga, uh, but studying under this. What nine- is that? Kriya Yoga. It's a form of like, like a meditative spiritual yoga. yoga. Yeah, yeah, but he studied under this ninety-nine-year-old uh, guru, huh. um, doing you know breath work and learn basically learning to control your uh, your mind with breath. Hmm. And he told me the story of they brought in these scientists that uh, hook up e- EKGs or whatever uh, sensors. And this guy was literally able to stop his heart using two breaths, able to stop his heart um, from beating and come back to life as well. Could bring it back. I didn't really tell that story pretty well. Oh but. my god! So I, rec- I had this thing recording. I had one of these H4s recording the whole conversation and I, I put it in. So maybe this is like an album. undelicate question to ask, but like why would you want to like stop your heart and restart it well because you know this <laughs> guy got to a point where he he's he has the power to do this right you know? so it's more about control and like knowing your body okay. oh the idea is that um you get so deep of uh, awareness and control in your mind that you can literally leave your body essentially mm. you can literally leave your body and come back oh yeah man yeah i bet you have some crazy conversations crazy stories this is maybe too crazy of a question, but has anyone ever tried to, like, steal your piano? Would it be possible? Like, has anyone <laughs> ever gotten mad? Maybe that's not the right question. Like, no, that's a good mad question. Mad that they're playing, like, stop by police or – I don't know, because I feel like maybe some crazy homeless person would be like, oh, piano, that's worth money, and would try to, like, roll it away from you or something. <laughs> well, so no one's really tried to steal the piano itself because I sometimes – I just – because I know no one's going to try to – well, I don't know. But it's heavy. When it's, I go to like pick yeah. up my car, like I park my car, then I bring the piano. Mm-hmm. But when I have to go get the piano back in the van, I leave the piano there. I close it up. I push it up against the wall and I just go. And sometimes I'll leave for like an hour and I'll come back wow. and the piano's still there. But I have had issues with, uh, I've had a lot of issues with police. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, oh, you can't play here. Somebody's complaining. Um, you have to have a permit to play here. And then it's like, no, this is my First Amendment right of- <laughs> Uh, I have actually made a video about this. Really? I did yeah. a live, it was a lot live stream on Periscope. When I was Periscope playing at, was a big thing with you, right? Yeah, I was, yeah. I loved, I loved Periscope because yeah. it's um, an amazing way to like interact. It's like you're FaceTiming with your audience. Mm-hmm. But I had, I, I did some cool stuff in 2016 where I, I was like in the middle of the desert in New Mexico and I had service. So I'm like, I'm going to do a live stream <laughs> In this desert where there's no one for miles, for like 60 miles. And I did a live stream for about a thousand people. And at the end of the live stream, I was like, hey guys, I'm going to go to the next town and grab a burrito. So if you guys enjoyed this and you want to buy me lunch, 
uh, there's a PayPal link below. And hmm. I ended up making like 300 bucks. Wow. Um, which ended up taking me like all the way back home because with gas and all that. And so, so I had a lot cool. of like cool experiments with Periscope, which yeah. are fun. I feel like it's not a thing anymore, but I guess it <laughs> is dying. just because it's integrated with Twitter. But it makes me kind of sad that the actual standalone app isn't used anymore because it has hmm. so much potential. What do you think about live video? Do you think it's this thing that keeps trying to be but just fails every time? Because I think there's so many companies who are trying to make it cool. Yeah. And I think it does work really well in other apps. So people hmm. are Instagram living, people are going live on Twitter, but very rarely do you see people with standalone apps like YouNow or um, I feel like YouNow is kind of dead or Periscope, right. the, the app. I mean, do you see potential in that? Do you think it's not the right time? I love live video and I've been experimenting with live video since 2015 or so. And the reason why I love it is because I think you build the strongest connection with your audience because, again, it is like you're FaceTiming with your audience. And I, I love live video. I, I use a lot of um, – I do a lot of YouTube lives. I still use Periscope here and there because I actually built a decent following on there. Um, but actually, here's a good story. I was doing a live stream last year on the streets in New York mm -hmm. um, like I do every Saturday or Sunday when it's warm out. And I play piano on the streets. I interact with people. And there's this beautiful, um, I'm having these amazing interactions with people through, like, through all over the world on live stream. But I'm also interacting with people on the streets. And then mm -hmm. they're interacting together. So there's this double layer mm -hmm. of audience. But also, like, um, last year I was playing piano on the streets and doing a live stream. And this guy, I was talking like this. I'm just talking about uh, my experiences and one of the guys on YouTube Live goes, hey, you want to come do a TED Talk? And now I'm doing a TED Talk in TEDx Talk in oh, France what? because I was doing a live stream on the street. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Isn't that nuts? He asked via Periscope? <laughs> via YouTube. Via YouTube Live. Oh, my gosh. That is amazing. So are you going to play <laughs> piano and talk or just do the talk? I'm going to play, I'm going to, I'm still figuring it out, but yeah, I'm going to play Paris, piano and out talk. of all the places. That is so cool. So they're flying you out there? Yeah, they're flying me out there. And, wow. Yeah, and they got that through live stream. You just never know. I think. Yeah, you never and, know who you're going to meet or like. Yeah. It's crazy. And People have invited times, me over to their houses. Wow. Through YouTube Live. Like, hey, we're having a Halloween party. Come hang out with us. We love what you're doing. And I'm that like, yeah, so sure. Cool. And so many times I feel like people need the instant payoff of how am I going to make money from this? Hmm. I don't want to do this because I can't make at least a thousand dollars with this. And I think a lot of people miss out on the coolest experiences because they're looking for that short-term gain hmm. when in reality, you don't know what person you're going to meet on a live stream. You don't know the 10 people that you're going to meet on the streets of New York that might change your life forever. And it sounds like you have so many like genuine interactions and hmm. friends that I'm sure started with you playing the piano, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. But actually, most of my friends now are because I met them on the street and mm -hmm. we connected. And I mean, you can go after directly after like how much money this is making me. But I, I recently read a quote uh, network is your net worth hmm. in that, you know, it's, it's the relationships really that mm -hmm. I've, I've really become, um, over the years understanding of how important relationships are in mm -hmm. building a career, or just building a, a life that you love and enjoy. In cities like New York, I think it can be very intimidating, but at the same time, I think 
it's just unlimited the amount of people that you can yeah but i think some people might get intimidated by just the grandeur of the city you know and maybe that's the reason that they don't go to that like networking event or something but i think if you're open to it and you start it it's just it snowballs so quickly and that's actually that is my reason why i play why i still play piano on the streets Mm -hmm. like i'm not making a ton of money doing it but I'm always like, who am I going to meet? You know, I got invited to this TED Talk. Um, where where will I get invited to next? Mm-hmm. Because I'm playing piano on the streets. And I've, I've been to inv- invited to a lot of interesting events and like house parties, Soho loft house parties. Yeah. And um, I went to a dinner once because I was invited to a, I was invited to this dinner once because I was playing piano on the street. Um, and it ended up being a dinner with all these guys that work at Google and mm. It was a CEO of uh, some magazine, I forget, media company. And just getting invited to places because I'm like, mm-hmm. I do this cool thing that, you know. So cool. That's so cool. Music question. I've played <laughs> guitar for like 10 years now, which is crazy. It makes me sad that I don't play as much. But I was watching a video of you in like Amsterdam and a dude coming up and like improving with you. It yeah. was super cool. You know, you were just like carrying the rhythm. And he was like going ham on the other side. When it comes to piano, is improv the same in terms of on guitar, you know, I'll you learn the pentatonic skill. So yeah. you know the five different positions on the guitar that you know all of these notes are going to sound good in a song that's in the key of, you know, A or whatever. So you have these notes to choose from. Is that similar on piano? If you just know your scales, you're like, oh, okay, this is what I can improv in because it was so good and everything sounded so good. So I was like, how? How? Yeah, you basically, that's that's it. I okay. mean, c- uh, chords are essentially playing single notes. Well, chords are single notes. <laughs> what am I trying to say? <laughs> well, yeah, like, cor- chords. Chords are, are, are the, the building block of multiple yeah. notes and that you can play any of those notes, but w- then you can learn different scales mm-hmm. that would sound good um, on top of that chord right so that what you just said is, is actually so it's correct, similar you know? in piano so because i've always wanted to learn piano but at the same time i'm like i should probably just get better at guitar <laughs> you know um but i feel like if you have the basic skill level on one instrument you could transfer that knowledge kind of yeah you can do it- you know how to sight read I can sight read it's not my strength mm-hmm. my strength is definitely uh being able to f- uh flow um, I, I guess the idea is, you know, you, you learn it. I just, I tell people this on my, when I do live streams mm-hmm. is that you have to think of it like learning a language, mm-hmm. you know, you learn the letters and then you learn how to put words together. And then once you know the words, you can then start learning how to build sentences together mm-hmm. and you can learn phrases from other people by like, Oh, listening to a song and then learning a phrase. It's, it's exactly like learning a language. And if mm-hmm. you think of it like that, you, it becomes, I think, easier Instead of like looking at this thing that's very kind of archaic and, you know, like, oh, how do I figure this out? But it's actually, I think music is a little bit, I think it's simpler than a lot of people might think. Mm-hmm. When I, this, this sounds like such a simple thing and musicians listening out there, forgive me. But when I figured out there was only 12 notes <laughs> in like music, I was like, excuse me? Like, what do you mean? There's Because, you know, music is so diverse and you can make so many different sounds and there's mm-hmm. so much variation. And it was so weird 
to know that – I mean, of course, you can put so many notes together and make different sounds. I'm like, what do you mean there's only like 12 notes? Or like 12 – I yeah. don't know. that In the very beginning, that was confusing to me. Well, here's what's interesting. <laughs> you look at the, uh, the entire spectrum of like hertz. Um, basically, the 12 notes is just a, a way of humans dividing up those hertz. Mm. Like there's um, – for example, there's instruments in Indian music that go between – those 12 notes, like let's say there's an mm. A and an A flat. Um, there are still notes in between the A and A flat. We've just organized it this way as 12 notes. Right. In so the maybe Western when you're world. like bending a string on a guitar or something, you're kind of reaching that note. But yeah, that's interesting that there are actual instruments that will go there. Yeah, it's the really unknown. interesting. <laughs> that is crazy. Music is so cool. I, it's inc- it's really it's, inc- plus, ma- it's like yeah. magical. It's incredible. It speaks to humans on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. With you know, without words, you can make someone cry. Yeah, make someone feel something. It's actually yeah. the, that was the initial thing. The reason why I got into music is because I was listening to I got into jazz. I was like a jazz head in college, mm-hmm. and I would only listen to jazz for five years straight. Um, but I love the way Miles Davis. Uh, and Bill Evans and all these jazz cats in the song Blue and Green were able to like, I was crying, but they weren't speaking any words and I was right. feeling something I'm like, this is like magic. Like I want to be able mm-hmm. to recreate that. That's so cool. I think it's, it's just, it's magical. Yeah. It's- well, you were just showing me something on your phone because you said you're getting back into DJing. Yeah. Which is like sick DJ. because, you know, traditionally people think turntables or just like playing a, a you know spotify playlist or something right. but so h- how do you dj what are you doing right now like and who are you djing for so i've just been in the last maybe four months sorry six months i've been exploring uh different sounds uh like ambient sounds like nature sounds um I've just been taking these sounds and textures and like the sounds of birds with the sound of water flowing and then I'll play piano on top of it. And I've been doing these um, yoga and meditation events Mm -hmm. and literally DJing with these sounds and exploring to see basically the the idea. Which honestly (laughs) is probably, you probably find more work doing that than being like a classic DJ because especially in New York, I feel like everyone is doing yoga. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, like yoga, Pilates. Meditation. Like, I'm yeah, meditation. I, can, can we play some of those sounds? Yeah. That you're you're yeah. playing for me earlier. And uh, the one that stood out was just kind of the, the synth, you know. It's it's really more powerful when you have it with headphones. Yeah. But if you oh, they'll it, be able to hear it. Hopefully. When you have it in like a, a a space, it's so crazy. So we'll be like, okay, enter into the pyramid pose. Are you guys relaxed? We should do I'm some. Feeling it. We should do some ASMR. Oop. So you'll take that and you'll play piano over. I'll it? play piano on top of this. On top of it. Um, so what? Yeah. What kind of mood is your piano? I mean, like, what do you? I guess it is kind of just like I'm in a meadow, so kind of just like sprinkling in notes here and there. Yeah, I'm. 
I'm really interested in the use of music as a function. So for how do I use music to heighten relaxation? Um, how do I use music to change my brain state or how to change other people's brain states? Um, and there's been, I mean, since the 50s and 60s, there's been a lot of studying on, I don't know if you heard of binaural beats, mm -mm. but the use of sound to relax or um, um, help with healing. Mm. So there's a lot of people in the 60s and 70s have been exploring this. Um, I'm still a novice when it comes to all of this, but I'm, that's, that's really why I got into this is because I'm, I'm curious about how to use these things as a function. And uh, I'm also interested now in, in lighting. How do I use this with lighting? And I'm, I'm interested in, in creating live experiences now. And that's kind of the, the evolution of what piano, it started with piano on the world, me performing on the streets and traveling the world. Now I'm kind of like staying put, but really exploring and developing a live experience um, through sound. That's so cool. And not only is it just you and your piano and your sounds and all your stuff, but yeah. you now have a physical space in New York that it's relatively new, right? How long? You, you have a ground level commercial space that you rent out. Oh, is this still so... Doton, tell me about your new spot. So, <clears throat> well, about a year and a half ago, I saw this opportunity and I took it. And so basically I, I took over this, um, <laughs> so I took over this, uh, I want to ch change how back you, to, uh, <laughs> how do you segue from that? I need to go back to, uh, so you can, you can, you can turn it oh off now. <laughs> Are we still doing this? I'm underwater. I want I honestly there's a another thing like I want to I'm so curious about you know we, we're so we're also visual mm -hmm. nowadays I'm so curious about how do I tell like I want to put people in a dark room mm -hmm. and I want to tell a story just through sound because mm -hmm. the whole the entire experience the entire show is happening in their in their brains and their imaginations mm -hmm. like that's that's a kind of experience cool. that I'm, I want to just told you my my secret yeah that's, that's the experience go. i want to create the creative exchange exclusive <laughs> you know what you sh you're expecting from doton next yeah that's that's what i'm exploring but i so in terms of like the oh it's still going yeah <laughs> it's like we don't even notice that the but look see now when i when i take it out it's so powerful And now all of our listeners are asleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Time to wake up, everyone. <laughs> we're back. And we're back. And we are back. <laughs> Brought to you by... <laughs> Sarah DG. Go check so, out my YouTube channel. <laughs> I wasn't sure what to say there. I was like... <laughs> but yeah, so you now have a commercial spot that you rent out to pop-up shops events tell me a little bit about that that's exciting yeah oh, that's yeah. cool it's it's very exciting it's been incredible it's like the second phase of of learning and i'm putting all these pieces that i've learned over the last 20 years of my life i'm putting all these pieces together now in this space um and it, i i kind of see it like my it's like my theater because i you know i rig lights i do sound i i do all different kinds of interesting things with projection now but i i I got this, I found this opportunity about a year and a half ago. Um, there's this, I used to work with this 
marketing company and they they were the ones that built this space but after two two or three years they decided to not renew their lease but they're but i kept bugging them like hey let me do an event let me do like a networking thing mm-hmm. or let me do a, a yoga class let me do some kind of music event and they were kind of like yeah they kind of brushed me off but then when it came to renew their lease they were like oh we're not going to renew it but you should take it over and mm-hmm. see what you could do with it so i was like oh i've never really run a, a space before i've never done pop-ups but i was like sure let's do it let's i'm open to this new experience and it's been a year and a half now I've been running this space and it's been um, it's been a crazy experience. Um, just learning. I'm, I'm learning every day and it's, I love it. I love it. Even though it's like a shit ton of work. <laughs> it's so much work. And, but you, you, so you are renting it and then you're renting it. Uh, yeah. From four other people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I rent tra- it to other people. Yeah. Cause traditionally, do you, don't you have to own in order to rent or is just the landlord cool? And he's like, I understand I have a steady income of rent so you can do whatever you want. Or is commercial real estate different? Because I know in New York, if you're renting an apartment, you cannot sublease. Like you cannot Airbnb mm. your place. So is it different with commercial real estate where if you're renting, you know, this one space for X amount of money, you can then go and rent it out to other people? Yeah. I mean, it depends on the, the lease, on the yeah. landlord and stuff like that. But okay. So it's just person to person. Yeah. Basically. But also if like if I'm doing the production or it's obviously it's, you know, insurance, you have to have insurance and making sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we're straight under that, but other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm basically either subletting it, subleasing it, or I'm, uh, doing the production for people now, which is so you you can kind of give them a package deal and say, Hey, you have the space, but you also have lights and visuals and and compliments of me. Yeah. That's cool. Was there a learning curve in terms of renting out spaces to people or do you mm. know people who have experience with that what was like what was that like the meeting because it sounds kind of intimidating <laughs> a little bit but honestly there that's what's crazy what's happening now is that in the last four four years or so um commercial real estate has been going downhill because mm. no one wants to pay these huge um leases for 10 years no one wants to be no one needs to have like a long-term lease because everybody's selling on the internet so now these these companies, these big companies, are are just creating small experiences to get um, uh, to get the consumer to experience it in in real life, uh, but only for like a week or a month. Mm-hmm. Or they're not renting these long leases mm-hmm. for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. So it's an interesting dynamic that's happening. That you know, there's a lot of pop up activity that's happening around the city now because there's so many empty spaces. I've noticed that walking around in our neighborhood, really, in terms of Canal Street and Tribeca, Soho, Chinatown, it's insane to see how many first floor retail spaces are just like, call this number, blah, 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 real estate. There's so many open spaces for rent, I feel like. And do you think that is because no one wants to... like? These big real estate companies who are renting out, Hmm. do you think they would be better of just taking it themselves and renting it out like a pop-up shop and like leasing it by the day instead of month of course that's a lot of work it's more work yeah it's more work but man i mean just some of these places on our street just off broadway i feel like i've seen the same sign for like six months yeah it's like oh you're probably losing money (laughs) yeah i mean i guess there's there's certain ways with these landlords the way they can deduct or whatever right But, but yeah you're right it's crazy there's there's 
vacancies all over the city. You look at Soho. Mm-hmm. I think it was like 45% or 50% vacant, mm-hmm. which Soho is like the main, you know, shopping hub of this area. Mm-hmm. And it's hip and happening. I was listening to a podcast with Scott Galloway, who's a super intelligent person, but they were talking about retail and how in the United States mm-hmm. that basically like retail compared to how many people we actually have in the States. It's like some, I don't remember the statistic, but basically we have way too much retail. Hmm. Like it doesn't even compare to any other place in the world. The brick and mortar presence in the U S is just astronomical compared to the people. And do you think that's going to lead these huge commercial buildings in New York to shift to residential? Cause I feel like we always need more space in New York for people. But then I guess that means, okay, well, we need more restaurants. We need more grocery stores. So that, I guess, could go along with it. But yeah. I'm very intrigued It's by, happening, though. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, you see it happening. You see all, like, uh, if you look around, there's all these developments all over. Even right here, like, mm-hmm. one there, one there, one there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always looking On the corner, that. that huge, beautiful cast iron mm-hmm. building. The big, tall, oh, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, from the 18, late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is it the white one? Yeah, the big, the big yeah, on yeah. the corner with the columns. And yeah. it's so beautiful. Dude, and all I do now, it's being developed I now. just look up. Just like, uh, oh, to, for residential? For residential, yeah. All these wow. buildings now. There's t- tons of these cast iron buildings mm-hmm. that are being developed into residential. and hmm. Yeah, it's happening. So you see all the development in Hudson Yards with all the massive oh, buildings, you know, nuts. Hudson Yards is becoming its own little midtown. It's crazy because right. it's so close, but you know, you see all these massive buildings going up and it's for businesses, but also residential. Do you think that these massive residential buildings are going to lower the price of these like dinky five floor walk-ups? Because hmm. when I first moved to New York, I was in a five floor walk-up right by Penn Station. Ew. By Penn Station? By Penn Station. So it was literally one (laughs) avenue away from Penn Station. One avenue, one block. Oh, okay. Um, And so, (laughs) you know, if if you're not from New York, I think I talked about this in a recent podcast, like New Yorkers see the Penn Station area as like gross. And so I was paying a crazy amount of money for a tiny one-bedroom apartment on the fifth floor, no elevator. fifth floor. With mice. And then I moved maybe just a few blocks uptown and it's more midtown area, but it's a doorman building. We have an elevator. It's nice, but it's only maybe like $500 more Hmm. in rent. And so my mind was so blown by that, that I just, I feel like as the bigger buildings come up, I f- do you think these like five floor walk-ups that look pretty on the outside but have no amenities? Like, do they have right. a shot? I feel like is that I don't just think me wishing? You down. don't think it's gonna lower? No, because who wants to lower their price? No one's I gonna- know, I know, but who's gonna live there if they can just pay a little bit more and live in like a freaking high-rise building? We gotta think the neighborhood. People are living there because the neighborhood too, That's and the true. restaurant, the, the area. You know. That's true. Like That's true. you live in the Lower East Side because you. Because it's hip. Lower East Side, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. I just, in my brain, I'm like, why would anyone... I guess my I first I agree with you. Like, you know? I'm living in this old building now on the fourth floor. Yeah, no elevator. <laughs> I was thinking about the other day. I was thinking like yesterday. I was yeah. thinking like, oh man, I remember talking with Sarah about this. That she was living in this old... And now I'm living in the old thing yeah. with the heating. The heater. But is it cool? <laughs> I like the neighborhood. Yeah, you like the neighborhood. <laughs> See, with living in New York, it's push. You push and pull. You know, you give up some things for a cool you neighborhood. You have to sacrifice a little bit. But yeah. the heater. 
Oh, this heater. Yeah, it's it's got this little thing that mm-hmm. it blows out air, the hot air, like shh. And I'm like sleeping, and it's just like shh. And it turns on and off, right? <laughs> yeah. And goes, yeah, yeah. And then so, it'll surprise you. Like, exactly. Shh. I'm like, oh, man. So when I had that old school system, you know, in my first apartment, it would wake me up almost every single night because it's not like it's constant and then it's just it's white funny. noise. It's so startling because it'll be quiet and it'll just be like, shh. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. mine was broken, but they never figured out how to fix it. So it was like double as loud. Oh. Oh. I, well, I, so now I'm covering it with a towel and it's lowering the sound okay. of the- Does that not But I'm scared risk I'm going to start like, a fire. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I hope your landlord isn't listening to the creative exchange. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but that's cool. Lower East Side has a yeah. good culture. You're by everyone. Sam <laughs> lives there. Brandon lives there. A lot of people right. live in the Lower East Side. I think Brett lives over there. Oh, that's true. Yeah. he's. They're more in like the East Village, I think. Okay. So okay. I'm a little bit more South. How long have you lived in New York? I was born here. Ooh, so you're born and bred. Born and bred and then raised uh, mostly in Long Island as well. So moved out to Long Island when I was like seven. Cool. um, What are the different areas that you've lived in in New York? When you've been a working human adult, have you always been in Manhattan? Or did you go over to Brooklyn, Queens? I went to Brooklyn last year, Okay, which is cool. I just, uh, if I'm working in Manhattan, I'm really trying to eliminate my travel time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I learned that from Casey, I think. He like... He used to live right there. And, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd rather live close to work so I don't have to sit an hour every day on a subway. Um, and that's pretty much what I do now. It's literally five minutes bike ride to work. That's so nice. So, yeah, it's much better. That's so nice. But I've lived all over. I lived uh, Upper East, Brooklyn. Um, so here's a funny story. I used to live out of my van. And around 2016, I was still living in my van in New York City. And I would sleep in like Tribeca, like the richest zip code in my van. And I know this is kind of a weird thing, but I did it because I was like, oh, I want to I want to see what this is like. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay rent. And so I want I haven't made this video. But I've wanted to make this video for a long time of like how to live in New York City rent free. Hmm. How to and, like, live, live in, in Tribeca, Tribeca the richest zip code. The richest zip code. <laughs> Man, and like so- sleeping on the streets. And there was one night where I was like sleeping in the van. I think someone saw me or complained. And all of a sudden like a cop, I see him from like far away, creeps up. And he has one of those lights. And I'm in the back. So I literally <laughs> covered underneath <laughs> the covers. And he's shining this. I have like tints on my, on my van. Yeah. He's shining this light to see like who's in there. And I was like, so my heart's like beating. I can't believe I'm telling you this story. This is oh so bad. So yeah, I've had some really weird like. So what happened? Did he just leave? Did you move your van after that? No, I just stayed there. He didn't see me. He didn't see. He didn't see me. I was so like. So he just hidden. thought it was like an abandoned car. You better watch out. Like you could have gotten towed while you were like no, sleeping. No, I was parked good. I was okay. parked fine. I mean, I've had other experiences where like you know I'd still hear like people walking or right. you know, there were nights where it was like really cold and I'm like oh, why am I doing this to myself right um just to kind of like avoid paying rent uh being like kind of like a dirty musician or whatever traveling musician um yeah. this like this ideal idea this idea it's, it's you know? the it's what's shown in movies it's yeah. where you get the good stories and when you're in your 20s why not exactly that's especially when it's you're a learning in, experience too. yeah it's, let's you know I'd rather be faced with like serious challenges yeah. and fail than not do it at all like you're always going to learn something if you mm-hmm. you know now i'm sounding like these one-liner that, but it's that's true. good though you know because y- often you learn more 
I would argue, when you fail, right? I mean, there's a lot of... And if you have the right attitude, they don't even seem like failures because I truly have failed so many times, uh, just whether it was like basketball or music. But in my brain, they don't really seem like failures because they're what led me to what I do now. And Mm. I love what I do now. And so, yeah. When always you're, raising the bar. Always exactly. like, what's the next? Exactly. Let's go on the subway with the piano. Yeah. You know, so what's what's <laughs> the next, Dotan? What's your next bar that you're going to raise? Next bar. Um, really, I think it's this. Going to um, buy a building? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> One day, maybe. In multiple spaces. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'd be cool. I mean, now, now I'm just, um, I'm continuing. I'm still working. I'm doing like pop-ups or whatever. Um I want to develop live experiences. I want to really spend more time developing that, and mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, maybe like a live music show. I want to. De- I also want to. I had this idea recently. Um, I was talking to John about this, about yeah. developing, about doing pop-ups for um, for inf- influencers, for creators. Mm-hmm. Like, let's do, let's create a pop-up experience and totally. invite everybody. Like merch to- in real life. Yeah, merch, but also like, what if we had um, exclusive content that's only available mm. in a live setting? Mm-hmm. You know, that'd be cool. It's an interesting idea. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, we I'm, I'm just do playing it. with ideas. Yeah. Like, I I was thinking about something the other day, in terms of normal people, they have bars to go to. You know, like. Yeah. Go grab a beer with your buds and like bro out and get lit, like do whatever the cool kids are doing. And that's a central hub for people like that. It's it's a space that you can just go to really any time of the day and mm. like hang out with people. I'm like, what what is that space like is that a co-work? Is that a we work for us? Or hi I feel like there there should be like a bar that serves like sparkling water with cool I don't know, just where the culture is less getting drunk and like screaming at each other. Yeah. But more, oh, what's a central place where people are open to having a conversation and just being creative? Yeah. That's I'm all something about that. I'm interested in. You know, like how can you create a bar scene but for creators and business people? Right. And it's not just about I mean, to be honest, with you, I'm bored with bars. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's so boring. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm interested in creating a, an experience or creating a, an environment that people are, yeah. or can be creative, but also like there's something interesting and um, something that challenges you. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if, I don't know if you know, I don't know if you experience that, but I think bars are, you just stand around and talk mm-hmm. and nothing really exciting happens. It's just the, you know, doing this over and over again. It's mm-hmm. kind of boring. Exactly. And I guess, coffee shops can kind of be like that but they're not as social because with social, bars right. you have that social aspect you go you hang out with friends maybe you talk to a stranger coffee shop it's almost like i have my laptop i'm doing work don't bother me yeah so it's like how do we create that in bar scene with <laughs> coffee and sparkling water and being creative so solve that problem maybe, maybe yeah maybe let's, we should let's do this work on it, something you know because I, I think that would be so cool. Maybe it's just the idea of a more social coffee shop. I don't know. Yeah. But different aspects to go and film or do something. I don't know. Right. How do we create this environment that people can still be social mm-hmm. or work creatives? It doesn't, I guess it doesn't have to be creatives, mm-hmm. but. Because I think everyone can be creative. I think so too. Yeah. You know. As people don't exercise. I think it, I think of it as like a muscle mm-hmm. that people, a lot of people don't exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. There's so, I feel like there's so many. We keep going to so many avenues. I know. We have all these little holes. Just like these little, little things, avenues. You know? We- and I think co-working <laughs> spaces are doing a good job of 
trying to bridge that. I think that, yeah. but that requires, you know, that monthly membership. Hmm. It's, um, yes. To it's keep it sustainable though. Like the alcohol is there because that, that's, that's what's true. paying the bills. No, know? that's true. So, and I guess that's why our coffee is $5. Yeah, right. Because they the got to pay rates. the New York rent somehow, <laughs> you know? True. I mean, okay, so there's a lot of problems to solve. If we don't solve them, you guys should solve them. You so guys. we just we just gave you some good, good ideas, guys. Dotan, thank you so much for thank being you. on the podcast. Let's end it with, with one... Like just advice. Namaste. To- you like this? Okay. <laughs> namaste. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna end this one with a namaste. <laughs> yes. Let's uh, turn on the track and do a five minute meditation. We're gonna bring the birds in. Exactly. And- <laughs> exactly. No, but for the people out there who want to make that leap into maybe doing something crazy, traveling to Europe and playing music, traveling to Europe and making a video series, uh, maybe it's something with real estate. They want to dip their toes in the water. What? Yeah, give give some advice in terms of like, how did you make that leap? How do you make that leap? Honestly, the way I look back now and I see it, um, I, I, I've been seeing this as like, I'm just, I'm, I'm taking the cards that life is dealing me and I'm playing the cards that I have and seeing where that leads. And sometimes a card might not work and I'll have to try another card and see, you know, what relationships that brings or... I mean, for me, it's it's constantly been a, an openness. Um, it's been very difficult to trust, but I think when you trust and you really believe and you're exploring, and it, it's a mixture of trust and action. And if you and if you could put the two together, you can really discover and explore and um, and find find a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's yeah. good. But you got to play those cards in yeah. order to figure out if they're going to work or not. Yeah. So play those cards, guys. Play the cards. Yep, yep. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you, Dotan. Where can people find you? What are your all of your handles? Check me out. It's Piano Around on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Hit me up. Send me a message. I'm down to chat. I I, I do this thing on Instagram. I'm like, hey, DM me. And I'll get like 50 DMs. I'm like, hey, guys. And I just start chatting with people. And like people have questions. And yeah. I love, I love, I love connecting. I love yeah. connecting with you guys. It's fun. Hit up Dotong guides. Thank you so much for being Thank on you. the show. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can also listen on Apple Podcasts, on Google, Stitcher, anywhere where you listen to podcasts. If you're listening, you can see us in the physical. See what we look like at youtube.com slash the creative exchange. But the point is wherever you are, hopefully you can listen or experience the creative exchange in some way. So until next time, guys. Keep creating, and we're gonna we're gonna outro with some oh we are some uh, crickets. Some let's just all do a collective meditation for a few seconds, yeah. and we are gonna go kill it and be creative. Here we go. Mm. Oh yes, love it.